0: Hello, and welcome to the ADHD Manual Podcast. My name is Abby Miner. I'm a marriage and family therapist, an ADHD certified clinical services provider, and a proud ADHDer. This is a podcast for people with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder and those who love us, which covers pretty much everybody. Growing up with a colorful brain in a black and white world can make us feel like aliens. The manual we've been given to guide us through life doesn't have any diagrams of the parts we've been given. I've decided to stop throwing away my parts and start throwing away this useless manual to write my own. So kick off your shoes, have a seat, and take a break from fitting yourself into a mold that's not your shape. You belong here. Allies, welcome to the ADHD planet. ADHDers, welcome home. Hi there. Welcome to the ADHD Manual Podcast, Episode 3. I want to start today by thanking you all. After my last episode, I received some super kind feedback, as well as a few five-star ratings. (laughs) Uh, That's pretty mind-blowing, and it really helps to grow this community. So, just wanted to say that I love hearing from you, and I feel grateful to be one of you, Um, and thanks. Truly, I really appreciate it. So today I thought we would take a bit of a turn compared to last month's episode um, in the sense that I will do a little less complaining and a little more educating on a piece of ADHD trivia that's helped me and seems to help other ADHDers. So on my website, I refer to three things as the pillars of ADHD, and by that I mean three aspects of ADHD that are largely overlooked and, in my opinion, crucial to understanding and treating an ADHD diagnosis. So those three things are the interest-based nervous system, emotional hyperarousal, and rejection-sensitive dysphoria. Today I'm going to talk about the ADHD interest-based nervous system. I want to start by saying I do not own this idea or this term, and most of the credit goes to Dr. William Dodson. A good place to find more information on this is his article on AttitudeMag.com titled Secrets of Your ADHD Brain. Attitude Mag is overall an excellent resource that I refer to a great deal, so I'll put the link in the show notes for this episode so you can uh, check it out. So what do we mean when we say ADHDers have a different nervous system? Am I saying that we actually are alien life forces? (laughs) That would be a twist. No, I'm not. Uh, Our veins and our tissues and ligaments and whatnot are the same, I promise. What is different, however, is our brain wiring and chemistry. So today we're going to explore what that means, uh, especially when it comes to motivation and attention. But before we go there, we should very briefly touch on where motivation comes from, what drives us to take action on the things we need or want to do. Well, a star player on the court of motivation is dopamine. Dopamine is a neurotransmitter, which is a chemical that sends messages in your brain. It's often called the feel-good chemical, uh, and one of its jobs is to run our reward system. It creates pleasure to make us repeat activities uh, like sex and food, drugs and alcohol. Um, And when we complete tasks, dopamine is that thing that gives us the feeling of accomplishment that makes us want to complete more tasks. So one of the things that ADHD does is affect the parts of the brain that regulate dopamine meaning our brains can't transfer messages quite as effectively, and the systems that rely on dopamine, like the reward system and motivation, uh, movement, and time perception, they don't operate in the same way that neurotypical brains do. So whereas just finishing a task or anticipating finishing a task gives the neurotypical brain enough dopamine to motivate action, we need more to feel the same amount of pleasure and drive. So this kind of constant craving for more is also one of the things that makes us more susceptible to addiction. Now, what makes ADHD so hard for neurotypicals, and even us too, uh, to understand is its inconsistency. This also makes it more unique and occasionally challenging to diagnose, because when checking for symptoms, we as providers are often taught to check across multiple settings and contexts so as to rule out environmental stressors that might be causing the distress, right? But with the diagnosis criteria for ADHD, like do you have difficulty sustaining attention or maintaining focus, or do you struggle with sitting still, or do you talk too much? The answer is usually, uh, sometimes, right? Because it's not that we can't pay attention, it's that we can't control our attention and motivation when we need to follow the law of the land. To neurotypicals, on the outside, it looks like we can control it. So they say things like, I know you can do this task because you can do a task that interests you. They are describing exactly how the ADHD nervous system works. We can do things that interest us. They might as well be saying to a drowning person, I know you can breathe because you can breathe just fine on land. It's nonsense, right? We all need the right context to activate our abilities. So when does our motivation center come online? glad you asked. So first let's review how a neurotypical person gets motivated and just quote does stuff that needs to be done. Uh, I say review because this is part of the generic brain manual I think everyone will recognize uh, because this is what we've been told is normal, an importance-based nervous system. So neurotypicals um, have this nervous system that's based on importance. So they're wired to activate their motivation and attention based on three things. Uh, So one, obviously, is importance. Um, So a task that, while it may not be interesting, it holds importance to someone or to their goals. Um, Then the second thing is secondary importance. So it's a task that's important to someone who is important to them. Uh, Like a parent, a teacher, a friend, a partner, you know, like the foundation of our entire educational system. Um, And then the third thing is rewards and consequences. So uh, completing a task will wield a reward and not completing a task will result in a consequence. So those three things, importance, secondary importance, and rewards and consequences are the things that the neurotypical brain is wired to respond to. Um, They're rewired to create and release enough dopamine to get those things done. In contrast, the ADHD nervous system is interest-based. So what that means is uh, our brains are wired to activate motivation and attention based on one of the following four things. So first, obviously, is interest So, uh, for example, I can't watch a five-minute informational video on YouTube, but I will read the entire Chernobyl Wikipedia page in one sitting. It's fascinating. So, the second thing is challenge. Um, So, for example, in elementary school, I burned through books like nobody's business, mostly because I wanted to beat some nerd in a reading contest. (laughs) And who probably didn't even know we were rivals, like we're competing, but I really wanted to beat him. So (laughs) it really uh, made me read a lot of books. The third thing is novelty. Um, So if something is new, you know, new makes things interesting. Um, So for example, I can get really invested in any productivity or organization gizmo for two weeks before it gets old and I have to find a new gizmo. And the fourth thing is urgency. Urgency triggers ADHD motivation, which combined with time blindness is why procrastination is an almost universal affliction on our planet, our ADHD planet. On the flip side though, this is also why you see so many of us in high pressure jobs like EMTs, firefighters, nurses, even therapists. Uh, We often do really well in these kinds of roles Um, Because urgent, time-crunched situations that focus heavily on the now really need an ADHD brain on the team, wouldn't you agree? Now, it's important to note that these four things can also help motivate a neurotypical person. Uh, You know, being interested in a task, something being new, um, you know, a a deadline. Those are things that will help everybody um, or will contribute to motivation, But the big difference is that we as ADHDers need that increased dopamine to motivate at all, whereas neurotypical people don't. They don't need a task to be interesting in order to start it, whereas we do. And this is what really gets me about opposition to ADHD accommodations, because they can help everybody, you know, everyone does better when they're interested um, or engaged. Um, So why not, (laughs) you know? So some examples are probably coming to your mind of how someone with ADHD might struggle with the systems most of their peers seem to fit into seamlessly. Most schooling, discipline, or parenting structure, organizational systems, jobs, and overall expectations rely really heavily on everyone being able to identify what's important or take someone in power's perception of importance and jump into action on command in order to pursue a long-term reward or avoid a consequence. Now, neurotypical allies, I want you to think about the kind of pain this would cause your loved ones with ADHD. We want to please you, we want to respect rules and obligations, we even want those rewards that we're told we can have if we can just get through these obstacles. But our brains are just not wired that way. That's challenging enough without the added layer of feeling like we're lazy or selfish or obstinate, which is the perception many people have of us when, you know, you're looking at an interest-based nervous system through the eyes of an importance-based nervous system, right? And ADHDers, I want you to think about the impact this world has made on you and how you see yourself. You did not make this up tasks and expectations that others seem to accomplish easily really are much harder for you. It makes sense if you feel exhausted or overwhelmed just by living. And there are so many ways in which playing by neurotypical rules might make you feel bad at almost everything. <laughs> so it is extra extra important for us to play to our strengths and seek out everything that makes us feel competent and capable and awesome. So here are some tips to get you started on using your interest-based nervous system to your advantage. First, break a big or long-term project into smaller tasks with deadlines. So I'm sure you've probably tried this before, but what I highly recommend is seeking help with this um, because prioritizing and organizing big stuff tends to be something that doesn't come naturally to us because of our interest-based nervous system. Our brain doesn't rank tasks by importance, but by interest or those other factors. So we tend to get really overwhelmed because everything feels equally important or equally meaningless. And since our dopamine is lacking and our reward system is functioning differently, it makes sense we would struggle with self-accountability. So ask someone to help you break down tasks with realistic deadlines and then hold you accountable. So... I hear the following message all the time. But if someone holds my hand and babysits me, I'll never learn to rely on myself. I can't always count on someone to be there when I need to get things done. This is leftover neurotypical BS. (laughs) This is a page from the neurotypical owner's manual that got stuck on the bottom of your shoe. Many ADHDers, myself included, grew up being told that letting me figure things out on my own without help would teach me independence and build character. And maybe that's true for some kids, but for me, it just instilled a shame in asking for help, and deeper shame when it became clear I could not problem-solve my way out of the issue. And it made me develop a bunch of unhealthy coping strategies and skills. So the idea that we can thrive on our own with no help or contribution from others, it's a total myth. I mean even think about basic needs for survival right unless we have a lush farm and you know can grow our own crops we rely on people who grow and harvest our food most of our jobs depend on others utilizing our services you know my job my entire job is to talk to people and help people if there's no people to help I don't have a job And even if we could provide our basic needs independently, like food and shelter and whatever, it doesn't change the fact that humans are social animals who get essential benefits from interacting with, providing for, and relying on others. Every single one of us needs help, and a crucial part of relationships requires weaving our lives together that way. So this internal dialogue about how we need to complete tasks only using our own skills and brains is ridiculous. (laughs) They told us that because they thought it would help us grow, but the fact is, it didn't. And it made us and our worlds shrink. Reaching out to others for structure and accountability is quite the opposite of weakness and incompetence. It's activating our resources skillfully and intentionally. Second uh, I recommend trying to infuse boring tasks with interest. Try to tap into, uh, that interest-based nervous system and try to get it working for you. Uh, for example, so, um, you could try tapping into your creativity by making a visual aid for a dull class presentation. Uh, like, look for interesting spins on assignments and, uh, Maybe try talking to your professor or teacher about how to um, maybe help you do this, you know, because they want you to do well too, right? So um, try asking them like, hey, I really need this to be more interesting. Um, Is it okay if I take it in this direction? Um, For example, comparing your favorite movie with a literature class book or using a Timbaland song for a physics project on sound waves. Both real life examples. You can also try combining things that interest you with tasks that don't. Uh, so for example, I love office supplies. So I will save a really good pen for when I have to write something for work. Uh, then I know if I want to use this pen, I gotta <laughs> write this thing for work. So it makes it a little less terrible. Uh, and some other people listen to their favorite playlist or podcast while doing chores. The third thing I'd suggest um, is try to make a game out of it, right? So try to activate that um, competition or challenge um, part of your nervous system that really responds to that. So, uh, for example, practice quizzes, flashcards, competing with classmates when studying, um Sometimes with chores, I'll race myself, (laughs) like I'll see if I can load the dishwasher before commercial break is over or take the trash out before my partner gets back from the store. Uh, This probably comes from my mom, (laughs) who can make a game out of anything. When we didn't want to put our clothes away, she'd say, I'll time you. She got away with that a few times (laughs) without even offering any kind of prize. (laughs) Just the challenge of knowing that we were being timed, uh, it was enough to get us going. So those are just a few of my own ideas to get you started. Um, But I would love to hear from you guys. The most um, fascinating and useful tips that I've gotten have come from other people with ADHD. Um, Man, are we creative. (laughs) We really are. Um, So I would love to hear from you, and I'm sure other people would benefit from hearing your experience as well. It's really important for us to, for us as ADHDers, as well as our neurotypical allies, it's important to not try to turn an ADHD person into a neurotypical person, right? We won't ever turn into someone who can motivate based on importance or, uh, you know, secondary importance. That's just not how we're wired. We can, however, uh, activate our motivation based on our system's rules, you know? And try to remind yourself that uh, novelty is something that our brains seek out more than others, right? We're really wired to seek that new, that more dopamine. So try not to beat yourself up if the system that you had, I don't know, a month ago isn't working quite the same way anymore. Um, You know, our brains need something new And uh, I would really encourage you to spend some time identifying what's already working for you and how you can build upon that. Everyone works a little bit differently um, and of course everyone's interests, uh, challenges, you know, uh, novelties, all of those will be different depending on the person. So I encourage you to take some time getting to know yourself and taking note of when do you get in the zone? When are you able to focus and motivate? Because that'll be the secret uh, to building your toolbox. All for this episode, but there is plenty more at my website, theadhdmanual.com. That's T-H-E-A-D-H-D-M-A-N-U-A-L.com. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit at the ADHD Manual. Do you have a question, comment, or story? Then I want to hear it. Email me at the ADHDmanual at gmail.com. Very special thank you to my brother, Joe Minor, for composing this theme music, and thank you so much for listening. And remember to be kind to yourself. See you next time.